word. So speaking of his word, we're going to start in Genesis chapter 18. We're going to jump around through the New Testament because I want to show you how this principle works throughout the whole Bible. That's one thing that uh, in the Jewish tradition would be called stringing pearls. When they take one passage, they string it with another, and they uh, continue to make, uh, sometimes they may make a new principle out of it, but usually it's showing the same principle throughout Scripture. Only certain people were allowed to make a new principle out of it, and that's one thing that Jesus would do. So when he says, uh, you've heard it said, uh, or love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, mind and strength, and the second is like it to love your neighbors yourself, he is taking two passages and showing them how they are supposed to love, because one of the reasons they would do that is that they would say that I don't have to love as I just don't have to hate. If I don't hate, I'm loving my neighbor. Well, you are, but at the bare minimum, right? And Jesus was saying, no, let's look at it from the maximum. Why do we always look at the line of where we're not supposed to cross and we flirt with that line instead of running to the Father again and again and finding where his grace is and then let's be like Jesus and show that grace as well. One of the girls in youth groups said, um, I need to learn how to not, or her application was, I need to stand on, on God's side of the fence instead of throwing my leg over halfway. And I thought that was a great application, especially for somebody at that age, uh, to start to understand that is, is uh, very, very cool. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 18, starting verse 16 through 19. And this is where Abraham intercedes for Sodom and Gomorrah. Then, then the men got up from their meal and looked out towards Sodom. As they left, Abraham went with them to send them on their way. Should I hide my plan from Abraham, said the Lord? For Abraham was certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that they will... He will direct his sons and their families to keep the ways of the Lord by doing what is right and just. Then I will do for Abraham all that I have promised. God reveals his justice. God is coming to take care of Sodom and Gomorrah. We're going to see that um, he has heard their cries and he's going down personally to check it out. Does that mean God doesn't hear all the time our cries? No. That means that the cries are so great, so painful, so suffering is so bad that God is going to go down and intervene personally. Okay, that's what that means, um, which has a foreshadowing of what he did on the cross, right? So we'll get into that in the second point. Oftentimes in Scripture, we see two opposite sides back-to-back -back in the stories, and in chapter 18, that's exactly what we find. The story that we started with last week, verse 1 through 15, a story of life for generations. God is promising Abraham a son. He is promising it for generations, and there's going to be a blessing through that, a blessing of life through those uh, people, which we know today as the Jews, um, the Israelites, um, the Isaacites, Abrahamites. It's not the Abrahamites. It's not the Isaacites. No, it's the Israelites because it is narrowed down through three generations. And I wonder if that's a purification process where he's getting the bloodline pure 
uh, so he can bless the Israelites. And that's something that I've always kind of wondered about. And I'll have to ask when I get to heaven. So we have this story of life, and then we have the beginning of end of the end for Sodom and Gomorrah. This is a story of death. This is a story of destruction. This is a story of disobedience and an arrogance shaking your hand in God's face and saying, I'm going to do it my way. Notice we, um, when God asks the question, should I hide my plan from Abraham? He does not answer that question, does he? He just says it as a statement and he just lets it hang there. Now, Notice that there's not an answer, and God's not necessarily asking this for Abraham's benefit. He is revealing that which has been concealed to Abraham. He is kind of announcing, this is the reason why I've come down here. This is what I'm here for, and this isn't necessarily for Abraham's benefit, but for us as the reader to see. Does Abraham benefit from the stated question? Absolutely he does, because then he pleads for Sodom and Gomorrah. But it helps us as a reader as well to understand the heart of God. Where do we see the heart of God in this instance? We see it in Abraham, right? So if you look at James chapter 2, verses 20, just verse 23, it tells about Abraham and God's relationship. It said, Abraham believed God and was counted to him as righteous because of, our, of his faith. We learned that early on, but then it says he was even called a friend of God. Abraham was a friend of God. And what would you know about God's friends? Well, we find that out in John chapter 15, verses 14 through 17. It says, you are my friends. He's talking to his disciples here. If you do what I command, I no longer call you slaves because a master does not confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends since I have told you everything the Father has told me. You didn't choose me, I chose you, and I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is the command. Listen to it. Love each other. Right? We're supposed to love one another. And if you look at that passage, we see this friend of God, Abraham, would be able to come into an intimate relationship just like the disciples did, soon to be apostles, and they were able to come to, Abraham was able to come to God as a friend and plea on behalf of Sodom and Gomorrah for um, their destruction. So here we find a righteousness by faith, Abraham, who was a friend of God. He intercedes for the righteous of Sodom and Gomorrah. The problem is there's not any righteous inside Sodom and Gomorrah, right? And we could even apply that principle to all of us that there are no none that are righteous, no, not one, but Jesus Christ, right? And I think this is a, a foreshadow of that and what Christ is going to do later on. Christian, there's bound to come troubles in our lives. Some of you are like, amen. You sing that one. It's bound to come some troubles in our lives. But we have to see, we have seen in the past where wicked men have done terrible atrocities. 
in the name of God. 21 years ago, 19 men in the name of their God took justice into their own hands. However, if we are friends of God, we don't look for justice. We look for repentance. And we intercede on behalf of the righteous. And the unrighteous alike, I would say, because I think God could change the heart of ten men, and he would probably have saved Sodom and Gomorrah. But they were past the point, and they were wicked. It is not our place to take up the sword of justice. It's not our place for it. It is God's place. We are to plea for the salvation of our town, of our nation, of our politicians. When we see the report on the news and what happened, and the enemy has come and attacked us 21 years ago, we should be pleading for redemption to happen, that they would be redeemed. When we see uh, counter-politics come up on the news, especially this election season, we should be pleading for both candidates to be able to work together for the good of God who loves us instead of their selfish agendas, right? That's what it comes down to. I think we can all agree. That's one thing we can all agree when it comes to politicians. Um, they're all selfish. And why can we agree that? Why can we see their selfishness? Because we're all selfish too. Ouch. Oh. Right? I've said it before when the, when the checks came out, we were... We didn't write our check back and hand it to the government. You know, we all took our chunk, you know, because I deserve, you know, we get this attitude that we deserve something and that's not true. And now we're finding that it does cause inflation and that we need to be careful of how we write checks. Let's hope that our politicians know that too. We need to pray for them, right? We need to intercede for them. When your heart gets troubled, when you get worked up about the daily news, you need to be on your knees praying for our country. How are we going to face injustice in this world? Do we face those troubles with our own power and glory? Do we want to take matters into our own hands like they did 21 years ago? I'm going to find justice. I'm going to fix America's banking system if it's the last thing I do, and it was the last thing they did. I have become the judge and executioner. I know the way I can understand what it means, and I know um, what's right. Or do we turn to our Heavenly Father through intercessory prayers found in Jesus' name? What lasting fruit do we want to leave, do we want to produce here at White Rose Fellowship Church? I want to reach out and pray for our neighborhood, pray for our nation, pray for our state, even if it is a state of confusion. Man, it's the best name for Illinois right there. Come on. It used to be Iowa, but we've, we've sunk lower than them. It's sad. Uh, the, <laughs> this is the command that Christ gives each and every believer Love one another. Because love comes from God, doesn't it? That's hard to do. It's hard to do. When you can see 
Both sides of the aisle will be campaigning here soon, and they will be lying to each one of us to get elected. It's so easy when you have somebody at school that has, um, says one thing to your face and then says something behind your back. I'm glad that stops at high school, aren't you guys? What? That gets the laugh, right? Right, that's ridiculous, right? That happens all the time, especially when you have integrity and they do not. It's easy to, when they're walking on a loose board and we're walking on a firm one in Christ. When there are troubles in our lives, we go to the Lord. We seek his wisdom and understanding. On the other hand, maybe playing the devil's advocate a little bit, I, want, I challenge you to open your Bible and find a story where it worked out for the Lord's person when they decided to take justice into their own hands apart from the Lord. Friends, it's not there. Matter of fact, there's a whole book of the Bible on where somebody tried to do that. You're like, there is? Oh, yeah. God said, go to Nineveh, Jonah, and I am going to tell them repent, and um, if they don't, then I'll destroy the world. And they said, no, 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 I can't. I'm not going to go there. So what's he do? He tries to take justice in his own hands. He tries to go as far away from Nineveh as he possibly can. And what ends up happening? Storm comes, fish comes, throws fish, spits him out three days later on the, on the sea. Guess what? The Ninevites' God was a God of the sea. Now they believed him because a fish spat him out and they could see all the fish guts and whatnot. This guy just got spat out by this fish. We got to listen to what he has to say. They all repented. Yeah. Amazing, right? Yeah, and that's a, that, it shows what Christ is going to do through, through us. It's just not there. Other, I mean, the one guy that, that tries to do it, he doesn't succeed because God's going to work together for our good for those who love him. Do you know what is there? There's a dependence on the Lord. And here's just three of hundreds of how to depend on him. The first one in Galatians 6, 2 is intercessory prayer. This is one of the best uh, one another verses in the Bible. It says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Oh, sorry, that was James. Here, let me back up and read Galatians this time. It says, search... That's the second point that I just read. So intercessory prayer says, share each other's burdens and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You are not that important. I love that. I love how the New Living Translation translates it too right there. If you think you're important, too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. I, I feel like um, that's a good thing to say to me many often times um, because I'm like, well, look at what I did. Look what, how I've done. Look how I've changed this community. And God removes me and says, 
Now, if you think you're important, you're not. Um, you're not that important, okay? What's important is the prayers of a righteous man praying to him, interceding. Confessions of sin, James chapter 5, verses six, verse 16. This is one I just read. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has power and produces wonderful results. Okay? The earnest prayer of a righteous man availeth much, is what Craig would say, right? Because that's what the King James says. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. It's not easy to do, is it? Confess your sins to your fellow believers. But the scripture says, and I think once we clean our hearts, when we confess before the Lord, I think this is a part of communion, I think our prayers are more effective because we don't have that angst between God and man. When we clean that out, God is able to... We're able to hear his answer better. I'll say it that way. Because I think he can hear us just fine. But he may hold back just a little bit until we get our act together. And then he will act. I've seen that several times. I've seen several times where maybe it's a broken family instance where um, the father needs to get his act right before the son gets his act right. Um, maybe it's... Uh, Maybe it's the pastor that needs to get his rear in gear before the church moves kind of thing. I've seen that before too. The last one is close yourself in the character of God. Colossians 3, 12 and 13 says, Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must close yourself in tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who forgives you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. This is probably step two in the process of sanctification. God's forgiven you. Now you need to forgive others. Matter of fact, if God's forgiven you, when somebody hurts you, you have to look past that hurt toward that forgiveness. Is that easy to do? Absolutely not. What happens if they keep doing it over and over and over? It is very difficult. It is easy to keep a grudge. And what, what we say to justify that grudge is, well, I trust for a long time, and I'm patient for a long time, but as soon as that dam breaks, then... It is done. I'm not going to trust them again. That's not what the word, God's word says there. Now, am I going to come jump right back in and say, oh, they're my best friend again? No, I'm going to trust them with caution. Our relationship is changed. But if they're willing to come back in repentance and they're coming back with a brokenness that you can see, then you need to give them a second chance. You need to give them a third chance. Need to give them a fourth chance, right? 
We are a people who keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just in the Lord's sight. Let's look at Genesis chapter 18, 20 and 21. It said, So the Lord told Abraham, I have heard a great outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah. This could be like a scream, okay? This is, a, this is not something that's joyous. This is something that's very terrifying. It's painful and suffering is there. Because their sin is so flagrant, I'm going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard. If not, I want to know. One way or the other, I want to know. Is it as bad as what they say or is it not? I'm going to find out personally. Okay. God hears our cries. And you can even add after that, for justice. God hears our cries. God hears our angst. When we cry out to him, he wants to know. And he is there listening. And there is a point where God says, enough is enough, isn't there? We find that out in this story right here. Next week we're going to see. He's going to say enough is enough and destruction will come. Yes, as we see in this passage, the Lord has come to investigate the cries for injustice at Sodom and Gomorrah. We know that there will be a time when God says enough is enough. When Christ Jesus returns for the second time, he will come to deliver his people, to bring justice to the wicked sinners, and to reset all injustices sin has created. He will make all things new. He will reset the timeline and get it back to um, on par with his holiness. And when suffering comes because of wicked hearts, God's heart is, is to first search for the righteousness among the wicked. His first initial look is, I'm going to search for the righteous among the wicked. That's why I believe uh, that Christ is going to take us out before he does um, all the really bad stuff when it comes to um, the tribulation time. Now, are some of that are we going to have to go through? I think so. We'll have to go through some of it. But I think when it comes to God's wrath, we will not be here when God's wrath comes. Okay, We've talked about that in Revelation. And if you want to go back, you can look on the online sermons there. Suffering forces dependence on our authority. Suffering forces dependence on our authority. Now, where is our authority coming from is the question. Is it of Christ? Then we will receive relief due to his power and authority. Whether it comes in this life or the next, we will receive relief, right? But if it is of us, then we'll receive grief due to our power and authority. Why are we going to receive grief instead of relief? You might have temporary relief, but eventually you're going to, if you keep depending on yourself for your own authority, for your own salvation, you will wind up in hell, right? But if we depend on God's relief, he promises us even here on the earth, 
peace that passes all understanding. And I've experienced that peace before. And I hope that you can as well. The question is, to whom do we bow? Do we bow to ourselves, Or do we bow to a higher power, which is Christ Jesus and our Heavenly Father? To whom do we surrender? To ourselves? I'm not going to surrender. I'm going to be defiant. Or we surrender to a holy God. To whom do we swear felty? As I've said the last few weeks. I'm going to be my own king. Or I'm going to sing, I'm going to serve the king of my heart, which is Jesus Christ. When pressure comes, we have this promise found in 2 Chronicles 7.14. Some of you might be able to quote this. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and restore their land. Verse 15 says, My eyes will be open and my ears attentive to every prayer made in this place. Well, where is he talking about at that time? He's talking about the temple. Well, where do we know the temple of the Lord is now? It's our hearts. He's made it in our hearts. Okay, He promises that the temple of the Lord is in each one of our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And so when we come to him in prayers and petitions and take our requests to God, the peace of God will guard our hearts and soul and mind in Christ Jesus. Again, I just quoted you a VBS song, which is scripture. So, cool, huh? That's why, we, that's why we do those things. God is familiar with pain and suffering because he has sent his son to assure us that his judgment is proper. Well, how can that be? Okay, he sent, God is familiar with pain and suffering. Okay, think about this. If Adam and Eve didn't sin, we wouldn't have pain and suffering. Okay, You can maybe make an argument that God would understand pain because Satan still fell out of heaven, but we wouldn't understand that. Um, but he sent his son to assure us that his judgment is proper. How can that assure us that it's proper? Because he understands pain and suffering, because he went through it. He experienced it, and he took the sin of all the world, and he took it to the grave, buried it, so that we might have eternal life. That's pretty awesome. That's why we call him an awesome God. Tell you what, when he rolls up his sleeves, he ain't putting on the reds. Quoting a the song there. That was a VBS song, too, this year. He knows suffering because he himself has suffered due to our sins. Not anything he's done. That's even, that to me just blows my mind. That is like the definition of grace right there. He who knew no sin became sin and, and put it to death for us. Why? Why would you do that? Right, because he can. And he's love, right? That's the definition of love. Like ultimate love, everlasting love, agape love. That's it right there. He doesn't. There's nothing greater, nothing better than my God. And let's see. There it is. When God's 
people pray and repent, the way of the Lord is grace in action, a forgiving way. When Jesus became personally accountable for our sins, we see redemption. We see a glimpse of that redemption here in this story in Abraham's heart. Who does he cry out for? He cries out for people that don't, he doesn't have any skin in the game. Do you remember the last time we, that Abraham talked to the king of Sodom? King of Sodom runs up to him and is like, hey, good job. You brought our stuff back. And he's kind of like, yeah, okay. And then he goes to and talks to Melchizedek, remember? And he gives him a tenth of everything that they had and things like that. So he's not even a big fan of this king already. And he is on his knees pleading to God, save them. If there was just, well, we'll get into that next point. When our way is shaken, when our way is shaking our fists at God, we see destroyed lives. We see pain. We see hurt. But we see, when we see a forgiving way, we see a way of Jesus Christ. And that choice is ours. Each time we come to that fork in the road, am I going to have long-suffering for my coworker? Am I going to trust God that how I'm going to pay my electrical bill this month? Or am I going to do it on my ways? We are a people who keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just in the Lord's sight. Let's finish off chapter 18, 22 through 33. This is the plight. This is where Abraham cries out uh, for the people. It says, The other men turned and headed toward Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham. Abraham approached him and said, Will you sweep away both the righteous and the wicked? Suppose you find 50 righteous people living there in the city. Would you still sweep it away and not spare it for their sakes? Surely you wouldn't do such a thing. Destroying the righteous along with the wicked? Why would you treat the righteous and the wicked the exact same. Surely you would not do that. Should not the judge of all the earth do what is right? He's crying out for the people. If there's righteous people there, Lord, you have an obligation to save them. This is probably what saved the Israelites in the wandering in the desert. They had at least 10 people that were still praising God. Right? Joshua being one of them. Moses being another, Aaron being another one. The Lord replied, If I find 50 righteous people in Sodom, I will spare the entire city for their sake. But then Abraham spoke again, Since I have begun, let me, further, let me speak further to my Lord, even though I am but dust and ashes. Abraham is speaking out of a place out of humility here. Notice that. Suppose there are only 45 righteous people rather than 50. Would you destroy the whole city for the lack of five? The Lord said, I will not destroy it if I find 45 righteous people. Then Abraham pressed further. Suppose there are only 40. The Lord said, I will not destroy it for the sake of 40. He gets a little bit more bold. Please do not be angry with me, Lord. Abraham pleaded, let me speak. Suppose only 30 righteous people are found. And the Lord replied, 
I will not destroy it if I find 30. Then the Lord said, since I have dared to speak to the Lord, let me continue. Suppose there are only 20. And the Lord replied, then I will not destroy it for the sake of the 20. Finally, Abraham said, Lord, please do not be angry with me and speak one more time. Suppose only 10 are found there. And the Lord replied, then I will not destroy it for the sake of 10. When the Lord had finished his conversation with Abraham, he went away and Abraham returned to his tent. Did Abraham do his job? Why didn't Abraham go down to one? What if for one righteous person? Well, one, I don't think he would have found one righteous person in there. Two, a community of 10 in Jewish tradition is the smallest church size or whatever. And so he is asking, if you see just one group of believers there, Lord, would you save them for that one group of believers? Do you see the importance of why we're meeting today? Do you see why White Rose is so important to Bellevue, to Norwood area? This is it right here. Because God has something for us. The prayers of righteous men. It was talking to me. Prayer of righteous men. Abraham has the heart of God. We find that other places in Scripture. And God is able to reveal his plan to, Ab- his plan to Abraham. God is able to reveal his plan to Abraham. Yeah, I said it right. Got some rhythm there. Uh, Because God knows Abraham will plea for life. He wants life. And we see that God does value life, doesn't he? He's not going out there just have his kicks and giggles, killing all these people. That's not what he wants. But he, he wants us to pursue righteous living. And he wants that out of all of us. Matthew 6, 33 says, Seek the kingdom of God above all and above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Abraham does not want to see the righteous being destroyed with the wicked. And I believe Abraham is aware of a seek first principle and makes his plea for the righteous of the city. I think Abraham's heart is right with God. I think he has um, mended some relationships and God is working with and through him and he is able to intercede on behalf of these people. It is stated like this, will you sweep away the wicked city away and not spare it for the sake of the righteous? Why is that important to Abraham? Because he's done this exact same thing for Abraham. Abraham understands that he is a wicked person. Abraham understands that he cannot, apart from God, he is not going to make it to heaven. He can't do it on his own. And when God promised him that covenant, Abraham said, I I can't. I can't fulfill my end of the bargain on this. God says, I know. 
And so I'm going to fulfill both. So can you do the same thing for Sodom? Can you do the same thing for Gomorrah? He's like, if I, if I can find somebody that is willing to follow me in faith, I can. And he did not find anybody. He did not find one. He starts with 50. And we know the significance of 50 in the, in the Old Testament especially. We see this also in the New Testament. Uh, it's Jubilee. It's being set free. In God's grace, it is God's grace that sets us free from the consequences of our sin. His divine and perfect judgment. He pleased with God. No, you would never do that. That is not your character. You would profane your character if you destroyed the righteous and the wicked, along with the wicked. It, it, you can't do that. It goes against everything you stand for, everything that I believe in. That you've taught me. My faith is bound and built on this principle. You can't do that. And we see the character of God speaking through Abraham. The Lord says he will not judge due to the 50. This brings a principle that one righteous can die for all unrighteous ones. If there's one righteous, if there's only one save all right God looks down on Sodom and Gomorrah there is not any righteous so he looks down on planet earth now and he says there is none that are righteous no not one so I need to set my son and intervene and come and be that righteousness so you have an opportunity to get to heaven that's the principle that's the the correlation we see to the Messiah here. We see this principle in 1 Peter 3, 17 and 18. It says, remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if it is what the Lord wants than to suffer for doing wrong. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. He suffered physical death but he was raised to life in Christ's spirit. God understands this principle because he lives this principle. Humbly, Abraham comes. He says, but I am but dirt and ashes. Lord, I desire to speak with you. He asked for permission to do that. Abraham walks his way down in sets of five, and then he goes in tens. Five is... A number of lacking. It's in the need of God's grace. There's something that needs to be fulfilled. It's half of ten, which is God's um, number. It's standard for um, completeness. Okay, and then this, and thus Abraham walks it all the way down to ten. And ten righteousness, as I said before, it's a small church, surrounded, surrendered, and crying out to God for mercy. God does. Big things with so little. A little is a lot with the Lord. Right? That's another VBS song there too. Ten would be the size of a praying group. Um, there's a Jewish word for it too, and I can't remember what it is. But uh, Lord, what if you had ten people praying to you? 
What if you had 10 people searching your heart? We see this principle again in Daniel chapter 9. When we pray for your city, it says Daniel chapter 9, 17 through 19, it says, O our God, hear our, your servant's prayer. Listen as I plead for your own sake. Lord, smile again on your desolate sanctuary. O my God, lean down and listen to me. Open your, your eyes and see our despair. See how your city, the city that bears your name, lies in ruins. We make this plea, not because we deserve help, but because your mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. For your sake, do not delay. My God, for your people and your city, bear your name. We do not cry out to God for our own sakes. We cry out to God for his sake. Because we are his people and we are following him to make his name great, not ours. He gets the glory. He gets the praise. Not just for us, but to your name be the glory. Because of your mercy, forgive. Because of your mercy, listen. Act. Second verse, John 16, 26 through 27 says, Then you will ask in my name, and I will not say, I, I will ask the Father on be, your behalf, or... Then you will ask in my name, and I will ask the Father on your behalf, for the Father himself loves you dearly because you love me and because I have come from God. We have a command to pray in Jesus' name because we're submitting to his authority so he can intercede on our behalf to the Heavenly Father. Ephesians 6, 18, pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Pray for fellow believers persistently. Okay? It is one thing to ask to intercede on your own behalf. It is so much more powerful, I believe, when other believers intercede on behalf of you. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 says, Christ Jesus, our high priest, understands our weaknesses, for he has faced all the same tests that we do. Yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There will be there we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. We must boldly take our request to God. What has God come to do to Sodom and Gomorrah? He's come to destroy them. What is Abraham doing? He's coming up alongside the executioner and he's pleading for life. I know you've come to destroy this place, but there's so much more. Can you, can you spare them? Is it possible? Is there any righteous there? We boldly take our requests to the Lord. It's a great example of that with Abraham here. And finally, James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed the earnest prayer of a righteous person has greater, great power and produces wonderful results. Earnest prayer produces results. Do not give up. Keep going. Keep praying. He is there. He is watching. He can deliver from any addiction, from any 
um, persistent sin, from any um, cautious situation, from any extraordinary situation. He can deliver. He can provide a way out. We trust and obey him. Because we are a people who keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just in the Lord's sight. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for our time together, and we thank you that we are able to come together, together in community of believers, that we would um, earnestly seek you in your ways. Lord, I pray that we would um, take heart what the passage of Scripture was today, that we'd be reaching out and interceding for those who are lost. Lord, I pray that you would bring to mind people that we need to be praying for. And Satan may be taking um, some extra steps in our families and in our uh, own lives, Lord. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name against those steps that you would deliver them to your righteousness. Lord, we cry out for surrender for this city. Lord, we long to see your spirit move in the hearts of men. Lord, you promise that your name would be great and you will call those people to you. Lord, we pray that as you call that they might join our congregation. Lord, we thank you for rescuing us from this present evil age. Lord, give us a discerning heart that we would seek you and seek others uh, to join us in this disciple-making way of life. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us a disciple-making way of life in Christ Jesus. As we go through every part of this day, help us to love you and to love the people who cross our path, starting with our family. Don't let us miss the example, the adventures you are sending our way to live and to speak the good news about Jesus today. Draw our hearts to you and to specific people you want us to pull close for Jesus-like disciple-making friendships. By your word and spirit, transform us into followers of Jesus who love you, who love people, who make disciples, who make more disciples, ad infinitum. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.